Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Are you ready to finally do that dream in 2015? Join Larry at a Dream Intensive Workshop coming this February to Minneapolis and Denver. It's a highly engaging and creative way to define your dream, defeat resistance, and design a 90-day plan to set your dream in motion. Discover the dream God put within you at a Dream Intensive Workshop. Learn more at dreamintensive.com. Episode number 48 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Well, Happy New Year. It's a new year, and you are optimistic this year is going to beat the rest. But there may be one thing that's guaranteed to hold you back. And we're going to talk about this in today's episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, welcome to 2015 and episode 48 of the Reinventure Me podcast. This is the podcast for what's next in life. And we are here to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the ventures that God has called you into. This is the Reinventure Me podcast, and we're your hosts, Larry Gates. And Armina Sad. And we're so glad to be here today. Uh, you'll find the notes for this episode at reinventure.me slash 48. Well, Armin, it has been a, a new year now since you and I last got together, a whole turn of the year. It was last year, last time. It was last, last year. We hadn't seen each <laughs> other in a year. It's been a long year. time, Larry. <laughs> it has been a long time. And I know that you're about to go on an adventure. Yes. I Basically, I'm going to go to my death, I think, this, this week. So you, we may never see each other again, Larry. I know. Well, let's put this in a little bit of context here <laughs> because Armin is about to head off north to do some ice fishing yeah or dying on the ice and dying, yeah and for those of you in warmer climates which is just about anywhere uh the forecast for tomorrow is about 23 degrees below zero and the wind chill is expected to be around 40 below mm -hmm. perhaps even worse where you're going to be yeah about negative 50 <laughs> so uh, equivalent uh, to northern alaska I, I think you've seriously damaged your yes. credibility for rational thought <laughs> yeah Hey, we planned this a month ago where it was always 30, 35, 28, and then this week comes and every day it's like 20 below with wind chill. What is this? Why? Why, God? You can't see what I see here in the studio, but Armin is doing this podcast with a ski cap on, <laughs> and, and it's warm in here, so I can just imagine what it's going to be like when he's out on the ice. I'm going so to die. I you just, are going to die, I'm my friend. I'm pretty sure I'm going yeah. to die. Yeah. My manhood is on the line, so I can't back out now. <laughs> Well, that's the next thing in your life, but we do have a few announcements of some things that are coming up that are going to be a lot of fun. You heard in the in the prologue that we've got a dream intensive workshop that I'll be leading February 6th and 7th in Minneapolis and February 27th, 28th in Denver. And this is absolutely the most fun I ever have, Armin, is because we get to get together with people who are unlocking what God's dream is. Now, this is the kind of stuff that you can't get from a video 
or templates on the internet or any of the rest. Yeah. It's the kind of work that's intensive. You dive in with other people, you get to talk and engage and get creative about what God's doing inside of you. We do this for a Friday night and all day Saturday. It's just a terrific time. You can find out more at dreamintensive.com. And for listeners to the Reinventure Me podcast, we'll get you $30 off if you type in the word reinventure and be sure you spell it right. Otherwise, a promo code won't appear. But when you do, you'll get $30 off when you come. And we're also doing something else, aren't we? Yes. So the Reinventure Me listener survey, uh, this is where you have an opportunity to win a $50 Amazon gift card. You have until January 17th. All you have to do is go to reinventure.me backslash survey. Fill out the survey. It takes probably 20 seconds or 30 seconds if you're slow like me. Once you're done with that, it'll automatically enter you into the uh, drawing to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Yeah. Well, this is one of the simplest surveys, and we are just going to be giving this gift card away just because we love to get feedback. We are buying your feedback, my friends. That's right. (laughs) No, actually, we're doing this because we want to really set the tempo up higher this year as we've been preparing these episodes and we really want to take it to another level. We want to get your feedback on that and really want to get your input on the kinds of things that are important to you that you think we should talk about. And uh, we'd love to hear from you about that. Armin, as we always have, let's, uh, let's kick off with an inspire me segment. Let's do it. All right. This uh, inspire me quote is by EE Cummings, Larry, I'm sure you know something about him. But he's quoted saying, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Mm. So why'd you pick this quote, Larry? I'm just well, I picked this quote because I think it's very pertinent to our topic. And really, frankly, all of what this podcast is about is discovering what God's put inside of us and really growing in to be finally who we are and mm-hmm. who we are to become. Mm-hmm. Because so many of us are stuck doing things or feeling like we need to do things in the shoulds. And, and we, we don't really look at it in terms of how God has designed us. And so really, there's this part of growing up and becoming who we really are, the thing that God has put within us that needs to be birthed out. And that's really part of what I do at the Dream Intensive Workshop as well. So really, right. this all ties together. But I, I love that quote because it's just a reminder that you can really express who you are. And that's part of what God has designed and part of what his interest is in for us as we mature in him. Right on. I know part of it is we're talking about New Year planning. I know my generation is very optimistic. Yours just probably learned not to be so optimistic. Yeah. Well, Happy New Year. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. You know, you get to the New Year, and you know, people are. I think people are happy. Yeah. You know, there's so many more optimists this time of year than any other time. You can't get into a health club for anything because all these people that are expecting to lose the same 30 pounds they've held for 40 years <laughs> are in there. You know, this is the year. This is the year. It's going down. And this, and and that's really where it where it comes up. There's so much optimism. And yet the statistics are not in your favor. You know, it's like the, the likelihood of you being able to achieve an objective is against you. Yeah. And there's a lot of advice out there. And we took some time to talk to a few people to say, hey, what is it that you think keeps people from achieving their goals? Yeah, what's the one thing that's going to inhibit people from making their goals a success this year? And here's what we got. I think the biggest thing that stops people from achieving their goals is fear of success. I think the one thing that will keep people from achieving their goal is a fear of failure. What I think will actually inhibit people from achieving their goals, um, as it almost always does, is lack of discipline. 
I think where people fail at their goals is people think when they go into goals that they have to create or become more disciplined. If they take on a victim identity and become complacent in reaching their goals. They either put too many on their list or make them too big. Focus. It's just a lack of consistency. When they don't hit their timetable, they quit. On this episode of Reinventure Me, Sam Awad, everybody. <laughs> You'll have to edit that out. I had to. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. We love you. We we don't want to edit that out. You're a funny guy. Thanks for your input. But you know what's funny about that is that some of those were contradictory, right? Absolutely, back to back. And we okay. Just so anybody listening, just so you know, we did not strategically plan that. That was not it. We literally interviewed. Those are the responses we got, and that's how they got laid out. Yeah, fear of failure, fear of success. Too much discipline. Not enough discipline. Whatever, you know. (laughs) Which just tells you that there's lots of things that are going to contribute to possibly failing in your goals. But I think we need to talk about one in particular that's going to hold you back. One that is perhaps the most profound that can hold you back in in any of your um, uh, goals that you might, from taking any kind of risks, for that matter. Right. I know we're holding this one word from people for way too long now, but... Before we uh, say what that one thing is, I want to... The big reveal. Yes, the big reveal (laughs) that's going to take place. Um, I want to give a little bit of background. So you went on your personal planning retreat. You came back. Yes. And I asked you how it went. Your response was beyond positive. But then you started breaking down to me what you really got out of it. Mm. And it was probably the most vulnerable I'd ever seen you. I mean, just the, your your voice changed, the way you talked changed. I mean, everything changed. I mean, you were you were talking about one thing, but you poured yourself out talking about this. So maybe you can start by telling us the story about your personal planning retreat. Yeah, well, thank you. I guess I hadn't realized all of my inflections changed like that. So that's helpful to have a mirror like that to see. <laughs> it. You're you're right. You're very perceptive because it did have a profound impact on me, and I have. As I mentioned in that podcast uh, that we did, uh, episode 46, I think, I've taken a number of these over the last 25 years. Yeah. And I have to say that this last one that I went through has been the most profound for me. Mm. And it was uh, deeply profound because I was able to get a hold of some things that really has been holding me back. The one thing that I have wrestled with that I need to take you back a couple years so that you understand where this came from. And I'm still holding off on the word here for a second. <laughs> but one of the things that had been a long-term goal of mine, like many people have, have tried to do it every year, year in, year out, was to write a book. And I think you know this. Yeah. And I have a writing mentor who was working with me, Ken Geyer. He's written a number of terrific books. And I remember that I was on the phone with him one time as we were talking about the outline for the book that I was working on. And he asked this very simple question. He said, Larry, this is a really kind of important stuff and ground that you're breaking here. Let me ask you a question. Are you planning to write about shame? Hmm. And I said, uh, only I'll mention it, but I'm not planning to write about it. What I didn't know, Armin, was that very question. And you know what we're going to talk about next week is the art of asking good questions. <laughs> right on. That very question triggered in me a whole process of journaling about shame that existed in me mm. as a consequence of my family. 
and it and it's taken three years, and I think I finally have a breakthrough that came as a consequence of this last retreat. But the progress that I went from that was, first of all, many of us are in broken family systems. Right. You know, our families are just dysfunctional in yeah. one way or another, and I have hardly met people who have been in full fully integrated and wholly healthy families. Right. Usually there's something broken in all of us and we right. all carry some pieces of this. But in my family system, I had a father who was very silent, did not share much with me at all. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in this system where I felt like I was trying to earn his approval, earn into his way of thinking and get some coaching and I never did. And I always felt like I was alone and maybe there was something wrong with me as a consequence. And I felt like when I was starting to dig into the shame thing that I really felt like a lot of that was from my dad. Mm. Where I came to over this retreat was understanding a couple of big, big breakthroughs. Mm. One was that it wasn't just my father that contributed to that. Whereas I was kind of putting that on his doorstep and I was dealing with it and working through how I respond to that, I discovered that my dad was responding to the way my mom was. She was a very, very manipulative person. Mm. And I don't recall as a young boy growing up in that home ever seeing that my mom was ever satisfied in anything that my dad did. Mm. So I learned in a family system that you cannot succeed and be okay and perhaps as a male, I learned this, but I think that that's the family system that was true for both, for both of my sisters as well, right. is that there's this criteria of performance. It's not good enough to be okay. Yeah. And the Lord brought to memory for me as I was on my retreat, a time when I was a young teen that I had upset my mom and I don't remember exactly what I did to upset her, you know, but I do remember her response because she turned and looked at me and I remember exactly where we were. It's almost like it was yesterday. She said, I wish you had never been born. Oof. And that really resonated with me internally. I don't think at the time I really understood it, but I think I've carried it many, many years because if the woman who bears you says, I wish I could undo that and not have you around, I found inside of me that there's something wanting to deserve her affection. Yeah. So I felt like I was broken. And fundamentally, that is the definition of shame. Mm-hmm. The sense that you're defective, mm-hmm. unwanted, and damaged goods. Mm-hmm. And I carried that for many, many years, and it's affected how I do what I do. It affects how I look at the world, and we can talk about all that here in a bit. But the breakthrough for me was not just recognizing that my mom contributed to the shame system that I felt and the shame that was in our family, mm-hmm. And that my dad was also a part of that. But here's the big breakthrough. The big breakthrough was, was that I contributed to it. Hmm. You see, as a young boy, I watched this family system. I was in it. There was no escaping from it. And, and when you're in shame, it's like you're in prison. Yeah. And the word picture that God gave me was, you have created for yourself walls, prison walls. Mm-hmm. And you, Larry, have laid those bricks. I knew every brick. I was the one that padded the mortar. Now, I labored side by side with my mom and dad as they laid their own bricks and their own prisons of shame, but I learned how to do that by watching them, and I chose to do that to myself. Hmm. So the big breakthrough for me, Armin, this, in this retreat was to recognize that I contributed 
to my own sense of shame there in terms of carrying my own defects forward. And far, far too many years. Hmm. Far too many years. And the visual image that I had was that Jesus just showed me that he gave me release papers. that gave them to me when I became a believer. Hmm. They've been sitting there all along. Hmm. And I needed to turn around and pick those up and walk out. The doors that were already open, there was nothing keeping me there except yeah. my own sense that that's where I belonged. Wow. And shame does that. Shame puts you into this prison where it's the only place that you feel like you can belong mm. is in these walls, and you yeah. just keep building them up. You know what's ironic about you saying that? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you didn't that, at all. Uh, when I first got saved, that was one of the first things that was spoken over me, as they said, I mean, you're locked in a cage in your mind, and it's a prison. And all around this wall, you've made it as pretty and decorative as possible. You gave yourself a beautiful view but the door's open and you've convinced yourself it's locked even though there's literally no door there. But you refuse to walk out because you're convinced this is what you deserve and you're unworthy of anything outside of that. And God is trying to pull you out of that and show you what he wants to give you. Yeah. But you're the one keeping yourself there. It's yeah. not him or anybody else. Exactly. When, and you know, when I was a kid in that same family home, I used to have a parakeet. Hmm. And as a kid, I loved to play with my parakeet. So right I would on. get it out of the cage. What would it do? It would fly right back into the cage. Hmm. You know, it didn't, it didn't experience the freedom of flying around the house, even though, you know, we would all say that's not really even freedom. Right. You know, freedom is flying around outside where you can go anywhere you want. Right. But it didn't want the freedom even of the confines of a house. It wanted to stay in its cage. Hmm. And, you know, little did I know that that was a metaphor for the very cage that I was in at the time. Right. So the big breakthrough for me was to recognize that I am the one who has the responsibility for whether I stay in that cage or not. And that is, that is the one thing that will hold any of us back from being everything that God intended us to be, is staying in a prison of shame. Hmm. I told this story to a friend of mine recently, and I, he was just asking what was up, and I told him about my retreat and what had gone on and it with tears in his eyes yeah. he said you just described my family yeah i mean and, you described mine too and it's it's a powerful thing mm -hmm. when you can realize hey you're free and not only are you free but i think the biggest breakthrough for me was not just knowing that i was free because i think you could tell me that and i would say yeah i know i'm free but the biggest breakthrough for me was to recognize my contribution in building those walls mm. And only when I accepted that I was the one that built them hmm. was I able to say, now I'm also the one that can leave them. Amen. And that's what I did. That's really good. And since I did, I mean, I can tell you, it, it feels like a cataclysmic shift inside of me. Right. Uh, things that would perturb me before, I might see something and someone else and I go, gosh, I really wish I could do what they do. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. I mean, I don't do it to the degree. I don't know that I'm fully rid of it, yeah. but I don't feel the same twang inside of me. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the same need to protect myself. I don't see the same need to be as unexpressive about what's going on inside mm -hmm. of me than I did before. The yeah. need to project or the need to look like you're something that you're really not. Right. Well, I know you've spent a lot of time, obviously, processing the shame thing, I know the amount of journaling you've done is ridiculous, yeah. just like you were talking about 
So I just kind of want to jump into this whole topic of sure. shame. And uh, so let's just start. Yeah, we shouldn't uh, be ashamed to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> right on, right on. As Sam Hodgett would put it, uh, your humor and my lack thereof, but I caught it that time. <laughs> so what exactly is shame and how do you recognize it? Well, shame is, is an emotion and it's how you feel about yourself. Uh, it's a little different than guilt. Uh, shame is the belief that you're fundamentally defective or unacceptable, that you're damaged goods. Yeah. And uh, whereas guilt is the belief that you did something wrong. I'll give you a great example of this. When my daughter Stephanie was young, about three or four years old, we had a babysitter over here. And after the babysitter left, Stephanie asks Anna, she says, what does it mean to, to be selfish? And Anna explained what selfish meant. She said, well, then the babysitter got it wrong. And Anna said, what do you mean? She says, well, the babysitter called me selfish Ooh. because I wouldn't share my toy with my younger brother. Anna said, well, what do you mean? And she says, well, the babysitter got it wrong because I'm not selfish. I just made a selfish choice. Oh, now, she wow. understood something at three or four that many of us, me included, don't understand the difference in, <laughs> is that there's a difference between making a selfish choice. That's profound from a three-year-old. It, it certainly is. from anybody, actually. Well, I might, she might have been four, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? She yeah. been 40. That's so profound. It is. Yeah. There's a difference between making a selfish choice and being selfish. Wow. And the being selfish is a label that puts on you that's a shame-based label that says you're defective. This is how you are. This mm. is who you are. And it creates this definition like if you feel like you're a failure, mm. you know, then you believe that everything you do will always be a failure. Mm. And it's not true. Yeah. I mean, as, as one comedian pointed out, you're not a failure. Look, you were the one sperm that made it to the egg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you, know? you can't be a failure. Right on. You were born a victor. <laughs> I, this is a sidetrack, but when you listen to this podcast later, I want you to listen to your voice, how it changed from what we were just talking about to what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I'm sure. It's yeah. a big difference. Oh, yeah, for Crazy. sure. Sorry. The next thing I wanted to get in was, why is it the one thing that will set you back? Well, shame is, is that thing that always has you looking for validation. Hmm. You can never get enough because you see, if you're defective and your primary belief is that you need to be filled somehow. You're always going to be looking for it from external sources. Yeah. You're always going to be looking around. And and when that when you do that, then you start like you are in a prison, you start playing it safe mm -hmm. and you start playing small and you stay to your own confines. You don't yeah. take risks because risks means that somebody might say something about you that would reinforce this defectiveness. You don't put yourself out there. Right. And it's the one thing that's going to hold you back from being all that God intends you to be. And you're always living then to prove something to someone else. And you then start behaving defensively. You don't take an open attitude, so you're willing to share less about yourself or resources. You're not willing to help other people in the same way because you're really concerned really about your own self. And right. really, it, it's a, it's a self-preservation. I completely agree with As long as you strive for external validation of who you are, you'll never be validated. Right. Because so much of it is internal, and it's been a, such a huge struggle of mine is internally and independently validating my identity and who I am rather than waiting other people to tell me because 20 people can tell me something positive, but that one person that says something negative, 
exactly something old it's like those 20 people never existed exactly as soon as we get our first negative review on itunes it's all gonna go down and now i just invited that didn't i (laughs) it's all over larry it's all over we got a bad one (laughs) so i gotta ask this question maybe this is putting you in a corner feel free to answer it not answer it but does everyone have that no i'm the only one that has it (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you you can't exclude me that's the whole definition of shame see the thing about shame is that it makes you feel like you're the only one that ever has that, that you're the yeah. only one that's defective in that way. And to be honest, I think everybody carries some of that about because the idea of shame goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that for the first time, well, after they ate the apple, right. it says they were ashamed. Right. For the first time, they needed something. Right. They needed clothing. They needed covering. Yeah. And so we've been covering ever since, hmm. you know, since that time. And so the covering just gets more sophisticated. And you might think, oh, I'm not really dealing with shame. When Ken Geyer asked me, are you going to write about shame? I wrote it off in my head. I was dismissive about it because I didn't really feel like it was something I had much experience with. Yeah. And I had to call Ken. I called him after my retreat. Hmm. And I said, Ken, I, I have you to thank for this three-year journey that that one question put me on. That's incredible. And yeah, it is. But I, so I think my answer to that is I think everybody has it to one degree or another and we can't not have it because I don't think it can be eliminated. It can only be managed. Wow. I think that's a very important point that you just made. It can't be eliminated. It can only be managed. Yeah. As long as we're in this body, this flesh, I mean, to be honest, shame is about being defective and our flesh is defective. So there's a reality to it, which says, Hey, we can't be perfect. Although we'd aspire to be perfect, we aspire to have no warts or knots or anything else, mm-hmm. we are not perfect people, and we never will be. Now, most of us kind of intellectually know that, but when you get down inside to where it's really about your driver and what you're going to put yourself out there, you've got this sense of just total damaged goods that make you want to just hold back. Mm-hmm. That's the power of shame that makes you want to hold back. And so you can't eliminate it Entirely, I think you can become aware of it and you can become more resilient to it. The Houston researcher, Brene Brown, has made a lot of headway in researching shame. And you can Google her TED Talks. Maybe we'll put it in the show note. Uh, She's got a great TED Talk on shame. And she's written a number of books about it. Hmm. She's popularized it, of course, but it's been around, as I said, since since Adam and Eve. Yeah. And you can't really do much about the fact that it's there. But you can become more shame aware. And you can do that by just finding ways in which you see it occurring in your own life. And for me, journaling was a big eye-opener for that. Anytime you start calling yourself names, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, you idiot. There were times in the shower when I'll call myself a name. Oh, that was really stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do that to myself, yeah. anytime I do that, that's a pretty clear trigger that there's a shame thought there. Wow. You ever have any of those? Um, I, I mean, not really only once every 35 seconds or so, but other than that, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Well, you don't have any problem with shame resilience either. <laughs> it sounds like what you're breaking down is just a good way of managing it. And I think one of my biggest struggles at, I've always tried to eliminate it. You know, that, I mean, I, I went and saw a psychologist, I have PTSD, so I went and tried to see a psychiatrist, but their instant thing was take some medicine. I don't want to do that. It's been a process of elimination for me. And, and so I think 
for me, that's very profound because I'm realizing. Well, there's a real irony here because when you try to eliminate shame, you're trying to say, I need to get rid of it because it's defective. Yeah. Which is just another way of saying I'm not okay if I'm defective, which is a shame-based way of thinking. Yep. So there's a real, which we go back to the the whole quote that we used in our Inspire Me segment, it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. Part of that is really accepting the very way in which God made you. Now, it doesn't mean you don't change, but it does mean that you start recognizing the truth and you start moving into that rather mm-hmm. than uh, living the lies about what you might be saying about yourself. Well, I think this is something I... Man, this is something I've struggled with for a long time. It's something that I've put a lot of thought into, but I don't think I've ever put in as much thought as you have and processed it as deeply as you have. So this is actually very profound for me, and it's very useful for me, and I know I'm going to take it back and do a lot with it. But I'm curious what the challenge is that you came up with, because I'm sure this is something I'm going to actually have to go and do, which is a little bit scary, as we know. <laughs> like a Ken guy, or are you planning to write on shame? Yeah, that's you know, he asked about a book, and I ended up writing, as you as you said, I wrote, I probably have written at least 100 or 200 pages uh, just on this idea for myself. I haven't wow. gone back to, to count them, but I do know that it was a heavy theme for me over the last three years. Wow. So really, I guess I would say that if we're going to challenge us ourselves in this, and it's something that I still do, is start to, first thing is to become shame aware. Hmm. You can't become shame resilient and choose a truth instead of the shame unless you become shame aware first. Hmm. So start to recognize the areas where you misspeak to yourself, where you don't tell yourself the truth, where you put yourself down, where you find ways to say, I'm broken, I'm defective, I'm stupid, I'm whatever the word you want to use to right. describe your condition. Yeah. And when that word is a negative word about your condition, then you know it's coming from this place that really, frankly, it isn't what God wants us to be saying about ourselves. Yeah. Because it's not inspiring. It causes us to live smaller lives, not big, enriched lives. And Jesus said, I've come for you to know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. And that's what we need to uh, grab a hold of, is that freedom that comes from the truth. And 90% of what people who are in shame-based family systems, like I was, 90% of what they say in their head is not truth. Wow. Now, I just made that number up, but based on my own anecdotal experience. Yeah. But uh, your mileage will vary. Mm-hmm. But I'm guaranteeing you there's some degree of that percentage inside your own head and I think inside of the head of all of our listeners. And the challenge then is to start identifying when it occurs. What are the triggers? Mm. How am I responding to it? What truth do I need to believe in it? And just to start setting yourself free, recognizing that you are responsible for every brick you lay. Mm. Now, I want to tell you, after I went on that retreat, I came back. And I sat down with my kids, and, uh, and I talked to them about my experience there. And I said, I'm 55 years old. I left my family when, uh, system at home when I was 18. Hmm. So all those years, I've carried that with me, and I've been laying bricks ever since. Wow. And I told them, I want you to be aware of this because you also grew up hmm. watching me lay bricks. So you know how to lay them too. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you can experience the freedom that I've experienced. Wow. 
And I would like nothing more than for my kids to not have to go through that same lifetime of bricklaying that wow. I went through. Right on. So, man, if you will, if you're out there and you're listening to this, and uh, this is hitting home for you, our hope is that you're you're taking this and realizing one that you're not alone, and two that there is hope and there is a way to get out of this. And we're hoping that whatever we're saying, whatever Larry is sharing from his experience can be a way for you to just pick up a sledgehammer and knock down these walls Mm. that you may have built that have isolated you and whatever half truths or lies are being spoken into your head. I think it'd be a great thing for us all to just be able to listen to what Larry is saying and take that advice that says rather than listening to a half truth or a full lie about who we are, that we listen to the promises and the truth of God that says who we are rather than listening to the things in our head. So I pray that this is something that anybody that's like me, that's out there listening, that this really is hitting home for you as much as it is for me. Mm. And uh, Larry, thanks for being vulnerable. Mm. I know it's not easy. I hate being vulnerable sometimes, but I can't think of anything that's more powerful or more impactful than when somebody's willing to be honest and pour themselves out like you just did. So thanks a lot for that. Well, you know, I was concerned about how this episode might, come out just because I, I wanted to be uh, open about what was going on inside of me, but also helpful for those who are also in family systems and have felt the burden and the carry of shame in their own lives. So I'm glad that we did this. And I, I really do think that this year is going to really be an exciting year for me and for you as well. Right but I am uh, better equipped now to enter into 2015 than I, than I have been many, many years in my life. So really glad for what God did. So we are out of time for this segment. I really hope that you found this helpful. And if you did, here's one thing that would really be helpful for us. Would you visit <laughs> our show notes? Really, if yeah. you found that this episode, 48 in particular, was helpful for you, and, and if you're dealing with a shame-based system yourself, I uh, would love for you just to leave a comment. Just encourage us by letting us know that you listen to the show And uh, if there was something that was helpful for you, or if you've got some helpful suggestions, perhaps some things that you've learned that we didn't talk about today that might be helpful for others who are dealing with shame in their own lives, would you leave a comment on our show notes at reinventure.me slash 48? And I know that those who visit the show notes, and I know that it will encourage me as well, and I'm sure you will agree with that too, Armin. Um, we'd love for you to do that. And of course, if you've got any questions for us, give us a call at 612-314-5447. We'd love to feature your question on our show as well. And let's get the conversation going about this. Let's break this down. Let's make sure that 2015 doesn't have to be holding us back in any way because Mm -hmm. of shame. Let's just say goodbye to that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to carry some of it with us, I know, but we can deal with it. We can overcome it with the truth and the truth shall set you free. And if you don't have any comment, but you have a prayer request, please send that. Larry and I yeah. will seriously sit Absolutely. down before our next episode and just sit down and pray for you. So please don't hesitate to let us know any prayer requests you have for us to pray for you for. Absolutely. Well, until next week, and we've got a great show lined up for next week, don't we, Armin? You set it up pretty well. <laughs> we, we do. That was I, that was a question. See, we, <laughs> our next show is going to be how to ask great questions, and I don't think you'll want to miss that because we've got a lot of really good stuff that we want to tee up for you, and it's going to be one of the great ways you can learn. Of course, it was one of the questions that triggered me into my whole journey here that we just shared on this episode. So until next week, uh, we wish you adieu. <laughs> You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.